0: What's up everyone, it's Kirby Porter and welcome to another episode of Court to Corporate. We're sitting down with athletes, discussing their personal playbooks, and diving deeper into how it's translated to success and lessons outside the game and in the business world. So I've actually known today's guest Jordan since high school and it's funny, we keep crossing paths at each chapter at this point. We both grew up playing in the DMV area, He's at Gonzaga. I was down the street, not really down the street, but in the DMV area, Bullis. Um, From there, Jordan went on to play Ivy ball at Cornell for four years. And he's now also in New York working in wealth management on Wall Street. My junior year though, in, in college, I remember seeing this new website called ivy untold and for those that are not familiar yet ivy untold is a platform that's really dedicated to sharing and amplifying the stories of minorities in the ivy league and they do this through really powerful and moving features so when i discovered that jordan was the mind behind this at the time i was like okay i see you i see you um it wasn't until recently that we actually had the chance to or i had the chance to sit down and learn more about the inspiration and mission behind the platform. And then it wasn't until this conversation that we'll be sharing today that I learned how his time on the Cornell men's basketball team impacted what exists today. So I'm really excited about this episode. We get into some great discussion around how to find opportunity, even in the lows of our careers, and what it really means to use your sport as a platform. With that, we start off with Jordan sharing some more on his upbringing.
1: So first and foremost, I think it really comes from my parents. I mean, they did everything for me and my mom, um, especially. And having gone to Gonzaga High School, its motto is uh, Men for Others. And there they have the McKenna Center, which is um, almost like a homeless shelter for men in Washington, D.C., right under St. Aloysius Church. And there, you have opportunities to volunteer. Um, They have like Meals on Wheels, which I would do. And it just really started to cultivate this idea of service for me. And then when I went to college, I was in the School of Hotel Administration. So E.M. Statler, who the Statler Hotel and the School of Hotel Administration is named after, has a quote that says, life is service. The one who progresses is the one who gives his fellow man a little more. A little better service so that was something that kind of resonated with me and it reminded me of the motto of men for others and that was just something that i've kind of taken with me throughout every step of my life and has helped create who i am today
0: before getting to cornell um, just moving through your recruitment process i know you narrowed it down to ivy league schools um, but let's stop there just walk us through you know how that was gearing up into your Upper class in years at Gonzaga and how you kind of thought through that.
1: Yeah, so once you start getting looked at when you're in middle school and stuff, you realize, oh, wait, this is something I actually have some potential in. Um, I decided to go to Gonzaga out of the schools in like the WCAC and the IAC, which are like the private school leagues around Maryland and DC. I decided on Gonzaga just because I thought it was the best balance of academics and basketball. And once I started to get recruited, and I was, when I first got into school, when I was a freshman, I remember like my dream school list was like Arizona, Maryland, a bunch of huge colleges that I thought would be just a lot of fun to go to, and you would have clout for being on the basketball team and stuff. (laughs) And I was getting good grades, and I was like, you know what? Let me keep trying to ride this education wave that I'm on. And Ivy League schools started looking at me, and I was like, you know what? They don't have scholarships, which isn't the best, but they have good financial aid packages, and you know what? You don't have this binding contract holding you down to something if you fall out of love with it or whatever. So really, the education is the big draw there, and the earning power that that degree can give you as you move forward in life, because as we know, the ball stops bouncing at some point.
0: Right. And... I think that same thought process applies to, like, a lot of Ivy League schools, I mean, all the Ivy League schools. So what was it specifically about Cornell? Like, did you feel that that service orientation that you had growing up and going to Gonzaga, that kind of aligned with the program culture or the, um, the the school that you enrolled in while at Cornell yeah. as well? Like, was there something else there?
1: Um, so for the schools, the Ivy schools that I went I had unofficials at Brown, Princeton, and Cornell, and I liked all of them a lot, and I think Princeton was my favorite. Um, and then I got a phone call saying, someone else at your position committed, and I was like, oh, all right. So no more offer from Princeton, and I was like, okay, well, let me go visit Cornell, and I had my official visit at Cornell, and from there, I really liked the guys on the team, and I enjoyed it, and I felt at home. and. I love that the hotel school is like the number one in the world, and I thought it was just a great opportunity with a powerful alumni network. I didn't get a prestigious vibe from the students or anyone there, honestly. They say it's the, the blue-collar ivy, and that was something I kind of resonated. That kind of resonated with me um, and kind of reminded me of when I first got to high school and I wanted to go to like a bigger state school. and. Cornell is like the state school of the Ivies there's 14,000 students when most of the other Ivies are between five and 7,000 and it's like when you have like three times the amount of students there's a lot more diversity of people diversity of thought and it's just a more at-home feeling up in upstate New York.
0: The hotel school that you were in I think before, just offline, you've mentioned that it kind of represented this crossover between business and your personal interest. Yeah. But prior to that introduction, I know we we're probably not thinking that far out when we were 17 right. and in high school, but had you ever thought about how those could intersect beyond mm-hmm. that, or was that kind of like your first, like, oh, I can, like, this is actually how this comes to life?
1: That was a big, oh, moment. I really had no idea that like hospitality was even something that I could pursue. Um, and right now working in wealth management I like to say it's the intersection of finance and hospitality because you're trying to serve your clients and get them towards their financial goals. Um, I really didn't know that th- there is like this entire world around hospitality either. because It's tourism, hospitality, it's like one of the biggest industries globally and it really is eye-opening and that was something that I really was unaware of and like in high school I was like okay I guess I'll do business or whatever and just see where it goes from there and I didn't know that you could still do business we still have all like your marketing your statistics economics all those classes finance but everything has a twist of hospitality towards it
0: right right it's
1: industry specific and What you're learning you're like okay I see how this relates to the real world which is really nice.
0: So in your Ivy Untold feature and we'll get to Ivy Untold later um, but it was titled play the game before the game plays you and you thank basketball for being the biggest challenge in your life but more specifically you speak to this really important notion that it's equally important to acknowledge your sport as an enabler and to use that as a platform to your advantage when you can. Before discussing what that means to you, I mean, can you just talk us more through what those ups and downs were, just very candidly um, throughout your career?
1: Um, So I guess to go through freshman year, there was this guy starting over me, Sean Miller, and he's in the G League right now. And after his senior year, he transferred, he graduated and transferred to UConn. So that was like a really rough person to guard every day and practice and stuff, but it made me like mentally stronger, physically stronger, like, I felt like the rest of my college career, it didn't matter who I was matched up against or who was trying to bully me. Like, I had already been through Mm -hmm. the ringer. Sophomore year, I was starting and got some playing time. And that was like a, probably like the best basketball year of my life, just because playing fixes everything. And then our head coach got fired. Uh, New coach was um, hired. And I had uh, surgery on my hip. And so I redshirted my junior year and then came back for my senior year and pretty much just never played um, so that was something that was pretty tough i mean i knew like i knew that i could play i knew that i had already played before i'd already been in all these situations and stuff but it's just something that it's a situation that happens i guess when a new coach comes in he brings his own players in and like i understand why would you want to you'd rather groom those young guys because those are the guys that are going to get your wins that secures your job I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah I mean that's my career in a nutshell like not too much success I guess personally but I've learned at every step of the way and a lot of those hardships like especially my senior year I like grew so much and I'm so happy that I didn't quit because now when I'm like working or doing something that I don't want to do I'm like all right this isn't as bad as like practicing six days a week five days a week whatever it was and then not even like playing a game or like you don't have to worry about like okay at least your boss can't go tell you to run a sprint (laughs) right yeah so it's like all that stuff makes you like mentally stronger and Mm -hmm. you can just kind of keep grinding and going forward
0: absolutely and I think that's something that so many of us can relate to in different ways like it's not always injury like maybe it's something off the court maybe it's you're not playing up to your full potential when you are a star player. You know, it it manifests in many different ways, but I think in all that, we at least try to find a way to have some grounding. And so what was that for you in terms of an outlet? How did you rebase yourself when you were going through those hard times of being injured your junior year?
1: So when I was, all right, so being injured was tough. It's tough because you're like, okay, well, let me, like, I can't play, yeah. so what are you going to do, right? It's right. like this huge part of your life. It's like suddenly So one, it's a lot of like rehab and stuff. And then I just started like lifting like five days a week. Honestly, I just became like a muscle head. Kind of. <laughs> um, I took a lot of credits. I took like all my core classes. It was like the hardest year of school yeah. that I had. I was like, you know what? Let me pretty much do everything that I can to make my senior year as easy as possible. So by senior year, I only had, I only had to take like twenty credits, but you have to be in more than twelve each semester in order to in order to be a full time student. Mm-hmm. In order yeah. to <laughs> right. So um, yeah, I was just trying to. I was like, you know what? I don't have to like mentally prepare for practice and stuff. Like, I don't have to like kind of start getting in the zone uh, at the end of class when you have like a two fifty five to four ten and practice mm-hmm. at four thirty. You're like, okay. Like, I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to be, like, mentally, like, locked in for this three-hour, two-hour practice, whatever it is. So I was like, let me try, and that's when I started IVN told. That was when I took all these, like, mm. classes and stuff. I was like, let me try and do as much as I can and really have Cornell work for me. Yeah. And do things that I wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. Right. So I think that was a big year where I guess I found that, like, grounding.
0: Mm, mm mm-hmm. um,
1: and things outside of basketball that are interesting and like knowing that I didn't use my fifth year of eligibility and stuff. It's partly because like I'm like I was able to enjoy life without basketball, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, and Do you
0: think you would have been able to rechannel that energy if you had not been injured? Um, I know you had a fifth year yeah. Do you think that decision also would have been different as well? I think if well?
1: I didn't get a return offer from my internship, I would have gone to go do my fifth year somewhere, mm-hmm. just because I think edu- obviously education is important, and I think that's another way to better prepare yourself in life. If you can grab and like do you do like a master's program somewhere, mm-hmm. um, that can help differentiate you and get you more earning power as you uh, move on in life. So I think that's what I would have done. Um, what remind me of your question again sorry
0: no no problem it was do you think that if you had not been injured that the same sense of self-realization would have come at that point in your life
1: I think I think it's possible it's hard to say right yeah just no. because I had a lot, go back of lot of experiences that year and you obviously get a lot of experiences playing sports too but it's rare when you can get when you're an athlete and then you go through an injury one it's like hold on a second my body failed me yeah when like your whole life you're taught like just push through it whatever it doesn't matter keep going keep going keep going like it's like like my freshman year my motto was like you know what it's your mind that's weak it's not your body and Mm -hmm. I'm like oh no (laughs) my body broke (laughs) like I can't run (laughs) yeah yeah um (coughs) <coughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think I think, ultimately sports make you a better person. I'm not – I can't guarantee I would be the same person if I didn't have that year uh, where I had to redshirt. But I think – like, I'm – I think I still would have liked to, like, start Ivy Untold. Like, I had, like, two teammates start it with me and stuff, and mm-hmm. they never, like, missed a year or anything yeah. like that. They still thought it was a good idea, and so – I'm sure that everything would have came full circle. It just would have taken a different path.
0: Absolutely. And so I think that's a great transition just back to your own words. I think you've kind of spoken to this within each answer, but what does it mean to you to use your sport as a platform? Um, How did you do that? And aside from your injury, what what steps did you take? To get there?
1: So I mean basketball started guiding my life from middle school. Mm-hmm. I was originally in the class of 2013 and I was like the youngest kid in my grade because I have a late birthday and then like seventh grade i like could dunk to basketball and then my like parents were like oh wow like this is something that you can be pretty good at. Mm-hmm. So then I reclassed. Um, so I did eighth grade twice and then got into the private school system. I mean, like every step of my life, basketball has been like that determining, basketball and education, like the combination of the two, like whatever balance I was picking, that's kind of been like where I've gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I know like the last time we talked, talked about how it's like kind of like a North Star. Yeah. Um, and I, that's like, definitely the truth I mean you're either helping helping yourself and helping your basketball career but also how I like to use basketball was to help my actual career to help to use the game to get me in a place where I couldn't go without it Mm. because it can take you to amazing places um and whether or not like I would have gotten into Cornell without basketball um I'm not sure and we'll never know. Yeah. You know, that's You don't the, have to know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you were there. And I graduated, I got my degree, I yeah. got the GPA that I needed to mm-hmm. get a good job and had the experiences that um allowed me to get employed. And yeah. I mean and it's it's nice that I used I like I liked the way I used the game because I'm happy with where I'm at in life Mm -hmm. like I would not that there's anything wrong with bouncing around overseas for a few years and then realizing like all right it's like the dream is like Mm -hmm. I played it out I did what I wanted to do and then eventually you kind of have to like reintegrate into society and then it's like I the 22 years old I could have been learning all these like like learning Excel learning. PowerPoint, whatever Mm -hmm. skills you learn in the office and stuff, it's like eventually you got to start learning those things and start making connections. Like, just because you don't, what do you like, come back 26, 27 years old and then you've never worked in the office before, you know what I mean? It Mm -hmm. kind of is at that point, like, a little, like, kind of like crippling in a sense. And I'm sure those experiences are also amazing experiences. And I'm sure there's people that have success after that. But in my, that's kind of how I rationalized it, like not using my fifth year or anything like that. I was yeah. like, I'd rather just start making money and start like, getting those real-world skills yeah. so I can advance my life.
0: In your future, you also mentioned that in high school, you singularly defined yourself around basketball. Yeah. And then you got to college, and as it progressed, you opened up to other avenues. Yeah. I think it speaks to how an athlete's persona is not singular, it's not static. Um, and it can really just be changed depending on your surroundings, um, depending on what year in college, if you're injured or if you're starting, right. um, and so, I mean, what, what were these avenues for you and how, what, what sparked that transition once you got to college?
1: I think, I think the most, or at least for me, the most important factor was knowing that there's a next level. So in high school I was like in middle school I was like, okay, I know I can go play high school, I know I can make the varsity team, I know I can do whatever. I know I can play D one basketball. I know I can get like a scholarship or go to a Ivy League school. Um and then I got to college and I was obviously unsure about what I wanted to do, but I was like, I'm here getting a great education, I'm not gonna be like a going I'm not getting drafted to be real and I was like okay the next step isn't basketball it's like I've reached my peak um and that was really that realization that like your livelihood isn't going to be hinged on this game anymore is kind of what opened me up like mentally to really like all these different experiences like the hotel school you have to in order to graduate you have to work 600 hours of like uh, service not ser- like hospitality oriented work I guess but you can do you could be in like Wall Street you can do mm-hmm. real estate um, but it has to you, you have to work in order to graduate and being in that I was like okay this is awesome I'm like right. getting you're forcing me to have these experiences like my first summer I interned at a, a mortgage company and I was able to work out all the time and it was awesome and because the boss was like very understanding and He like supported me in doing that, and then I like started my sophomore year. Like I put in the work, I got the reward, right? And then I got hurt, and then I was like, "All right, let me really pivot and start investing in like what's gonna be paying my bills." You know? Yeah, I think I think that knowing that like realistically, if you if you're not in like a top league in like europe or whatever or in the nba or whatever it's it's not like going to be paying your bills for the long haul so that's kind of how i rationalize things and i mean i'm not saying it's like the right or the wrong way to think about it but i was i thought it was the best way to position myself for a successful life
0: yeah absolutely and so we'll talk about ivy untold i know we've been hinting to it throughout um but I think the tagline that is often imposed on athletes when we we're in undergrad is that, wow, you guys can do both. You guys can do st- uh, school and sports. Sometimes that language of both doesn't even capture it all though. Um, I think it really assumes that there's just two things. You just do all these classes, and then you just go and dribble a ball for four hours, and then you do it all again. Um, and I think you're an example of how that is often not the case because for you, in addition to your obligations in the classroom and on the court, you also had five jobs on campus. Tell us about that <laughs> and how yeah. you bounced that, because that's um, doing both doesn't even describe <laughs> it.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I would, I worked at like the front desk, I worked in the weight room, I was TAs for classes, and honestly, that was. It's not like I was like really trying to fill out my resume. Like none of those jobs are that challenging and stuff I just yeah. needed money <laughs> yeah um, the I was in the summer program called like the pre-freshman summer program and it's for they like to say at-risk students and what it ends up being is like I think there was like maybe one white person there and uh, <laughs> so, so I'm like in this program I'm in PSP and it's the summer before your freshman year and you take like I don't know you probably get like seven credits out of it so I'm taking these like classes and stuff and then they like walk you through like how to reach your or read your like financial aid and whatever um and I'm going through and I'm like I didn't realize my financial aid hadn't like hit yet because it like obviously wasn't the school year so I'm reading like I don't know however like whatever tuition is like $30,000 I'm like (laughs) how am I gonna pay for this and uh I, like, scroll down, or I call my mom, and I'm, like, on the phone with her, telling her, like, hey, it's saying I owe, I'm going to owe, like, $30,000, like, what do I do? She's, like, scroll all the way down to the bottom of the bill, and what does it say? I'm, like, uh, Jordan, and she's, like, exactly, and hung up, (laughs) so that was just, like, I was, like, all right, cool, (laughs) (laughs) and it was, like, something I just needed to do, like, I needed to work to pay for food yeah. and survive like my, my parents didn't support me financially um, once I left for school so yeah had to hustle
0: how was how did you fit that into your schedule
1: so like I just got jobs that I could do homework hmm or like for TAing it was nice because I could TA while I was doing another job so I could like be a hall monitor And I could also like grade papers and then, yeah. So it was just like, you gotta be smart. You have to be able to finesse. No, for sure. For sure. Um, So that's like, honestly, like it's not, it wasn't like research, like where it's like mentally taxing and stuff like that, but there are so many jobs on campus that you can definitely do it. There's Mm -hmm. time for everything. You just have to make it Mm -hmm. because you do what you want to do.
0: Right. Open-ended question, um, but tell us about Ivy Untold.
1: So Ivy Untold is a platform for minority, or what started as like minority Ivy League students. Um, (coughs) And I first thought of this during the Fisher v. University of Texas case. Uh, I believe that was in the summer of 2016 where there was a um, white woman who was denied from University of Texas, and it brought, went all the way up to the Supreme Court, and it basically was about affirmative action. And I was, at the time, I was like, I support affirmative action, I think it's um, a good program, or I don't even know what it technically would be called. But, um, I think diversity of thought and experience can bring a lot of value to an organization and I talked about how Cornell has 14,000 kids before, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that was something that I liked about it. And I I really wanted to highlight what awesome things minorities were doing on campus. Because there's so many people that are doing so many cool things and when I was in high school, and I got accepted to Cornell. Kids were like, "Oh, it's because he played basketball. Oh, it's because he's black. Blah blah blah." Like, no, it's because of everything, the entire picture. Um, so that was, that was something I really just wanted to create something that highlighted excellence in minority communities. I'm, and it's not just like black people. It's not just Hispanic people. I have a guy on um, Ivy Untold who is in the military and is gay. So it's really open to all different types. It could be like socioeconomic status. It could be racial diversity. It could be religious diversity. Mm-hmm. Really open to everything. But it, I just want to highlight people's differences and like just show what cool things people are doing. And hopefully the world can get to a point where you can kind of see past those things where it's like, oh, you don't have to point out that this person is gay. You know what I mean? Or you don't have to point out that this person is black doing cool things it can just be it's just them it's just them right so that's that's like the ultimate goal I mean or the motivation behind it and a little bit about it we just like to share cool stories about cool people yes
0: and you started it your junior year and you're still going with it what are you doing still going
1: so right now we're getting into podcasts and the first episode kind of highlights um what Ivy Untold is and my story, so you guys can check that out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, Anchor, a bunch of other platforms. And then the second is about court to corporate and the benefits of uh, all the amazing lessons that athletics can teach you and how they translate into the real world.
0: Right. Just wrapping up with where you're at now and your career, I think the second half of your feature in Ivory Untold talks about thinking, yes, you thank the game for being the biggest challenge, but on the other side of that challenge is that you walked away with a deeper sense of yourself. Yeah. You're currently in wealth management at one of the best firms, and you've been doing that since summer 16, Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but how do you feel that your sense of self has contributed to staying consistent in your career decisions so far?
1: Um, I think a lot of I think my sense of self in conjunction with relationships that I've had with people and connections and networking has just kind of like guided me down this path and each step of the way I've enjoyed it. Um, I've always like when I first worked for a private wealth advisor i like, loved that fact that you were, like, helping people achieve their goals. I thought it was so cool, like, to see, like, what you could invest in and, like, how the stock market could, like, help you or whatever your, you could be, like, 40% alternatives, like, 50% traditionals, 10% cash, like, whatever your investment portfolio was and just see how you can make your money work for you. And, like, a lot of, like, rappers and stuff talk about this. I know, like, Future has a line about it, but, um. Like, the more money you have, the more problems that you have, too. So it's kind of cool just to be able to, like, help uh, people, like, achieve their, like, financial goals, uh, whatever those goals may be. And that's, like, kind of, like, my – like, I just want to help people, honestly. <laughs> like, that's all it that's all it boils down to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In
0: undergrad at Cornell, right. you talked about as it progressed, you mm-hmm. opened up to other avenues. Yep, yep. I'm going to go ahead and say you're in your rookie year of your career. How do well, you sure. how do you see that process of those 4 years kind of bringing over into where you're at now? And how do you see yourself expanding to different places now that you're full-time?
1: So now that I'm full-time, now that you're like this transition to the real world is it's honestly not the easiest transition. The real world is very different co- from college and no one really yeah. no one really talks to you about how weird the transition is, <laughs> right? um but I think being an athlete kind of teaches you to be adaptable like there's so many things about being an athlete that you don't have control over and that you just don't have an option on and the real world is kind of the same thing like you have to go to work you can't like as an athlete you can't just wake up and be like yeah no I'm not going to practice today or wait we have a road trip to like we have to go to cornell or <laughs> or for me it's like for the rest of the ivy league they're like oh we got to go to cornell this weekend oh no for me it's like i gotta go to harvard i gotta go to <laughs> anywhere else besides like Penn and princeton i was not trying to do that road trip so there's just so many things that you're doing that you don't want to do right <laughs> and it's like you you adapt to it and you end up enjoying it and you see the good in it and that's kind of like honestly how i think of the real world it's like right now it's like this is a huge adjustment. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm waking up at 6 a.m. every day, like, what? (laughs) What is going on? Um, But it's, like, actually kind of cool. Like, now that I've been here, like, a few months and everything, Mm -hmm. I'm, like, I'm learning so, so much. I'm, like, I learned more in this, like, first six months of working than I did all four years kind of thing. You know what I mean? (laughs) I'm sure you have the same thing, and I think most people would as well. Um, But, yeah, I I think adaptability is the The biggest key right there, and then also, I think athletes have a keen sense of how to take criticism, and receive coaching, and receive feedback, and being able to uh, redo the slide or this is wrong, and you're like, okay, and you just do it. You know know what I mean? It's not like you don't even think twice about it because there's been so many times where you've messed up a play or you didn't even do anything wrong and somebody like you're running through the offense and then like the dudes on like the third team or whatever mess up a play and then you gotta run and you're like You're
0: all running. (laughs) (laughs) You're all to the line. Yeah.
1: So it's just like stuff like that and you're like you're like, you know what, this isn't even bad. Yeah. This is not bad at all. Like they're not putting me on the line. I just gotta I gotta move some boxes around and recheck some numbers. It's all good. So Exactly. I think that's kind of how I've uh taken kind of like some lessons and put it into the into the real world yeah awesome
0: all right last question so i think through this all what's very transparent is that you've been able to leverage this personal brand of yours and your sense of self um to empower others with ivy told to remain confident in your career decisions what is your advice to athletes at all stages in leveraging their passions to identify opportunities.
1: So, advice to athletes with leveraging their passions to identify opportunities. So I think you have to keep things in perspective and keep things real with yourself. I hinted at this in my article, it's like, life isn't fair, right? <coughs> um, so my senior year, I didn't think life was fair but I accepted it. And you have to realize, like, look, sure, it might be better for yourself or for your t- or, you know, most of the time, it's probably not. <laughs> I mean, there are lessons that you can learn. Like, yeah, sure, if I if I never, like, uh, worked any summer, all I did was be in the gym, I'd be way better at basketball. But, like, I decided to what I do what I thought was best for myself mm-hmm. which was like at these internships and stuff and I'm sure I would have learned a lot of lessons if I was in the gym all the time um but you have to keep things in perspective like at a certain point like and this is like kind of something with like that's why I respect like female athletes so much because I'm like a lot of times like after college it's like even if you do make it you still you might still need another job honestly mm-hmm. and you guys are still still like working so, so, so hard. Yeah. And like after I got to the point where I was like, yeah, no, I'm definitely not uh, <laughs> playing anymore yeah. after I graduate. Um, I kind of like started putting my eggs in different baskets. And like, I re- that was really like my junior year. I, I started like reallocating myself to different mm-hmm. things. So I think like people just have to, like be honest with themselves on when to reallocate your own time your own passion and your own energy um that's the advice I would give like as long as you think you can make it to that next level go ahead go for it like 100% like don't don't do anything like half-ass or anything like that but I mean if you're if it's not there it's not there you know what I mean and and like that's okay mm-hmm. you know that's that's where 98 percent of us end up
0: thanks for tuning in to another episode as always please let us know in the review section your thoughts and any topics you'd like to hear discussed We'd love for you to join us on Instagram and LinkedIn to stay in the know and keep up to date with our community. The information for both of those handles will be in the episode description. Thanks again. Hope you enjoyed and we'll be back for another one soon.